0: Welcome to the Entrepreneurs Visiting Victor podcast with Victor Dadaj where you'll hear stories and strategies to help increase your sales and grow your business. Here's your host Victor Dadaj.
1: All right welcome to Entrepreneurs Visiting Victor. I'm your host Victor Dadaj. I hope you're having an amazing day so far. Today we have an awesome guest Number one, he has an IQ of over 140. He is the president of XW Web3 e-commerce, He's co-founder and chief growth officer of detaining day, uh, and AI-powered matchmaking. In the past, he founded an S.A.A.S. platform to replace affiliate codes for e-commerce brands, worked as a constant for Fortune 500 companies, helped Snap optimized their ad algorithm and supported the research team at Carnegie Mellon University in the dark matter research, and intern abroad in Barcelona, Spain. So let's welcome Eric McHugh. How are you doing today,
0: Eric? I am doing amazing, Victor. I'm super grateful for you having me. So thank you so much, man.
1: It's great to have you on. And uh, Eric, I'd like to start by asking to please share your story. How did you want to become an entrepreneur?
0: Sure, sure. Nice to meet everyone. My name is Eric. I'm 30 years old. Blessed to be living in beautiful Southern California uh, my main hobbies right now are chess, Muay Thai, reading, pretty much anything under the sun and meditation. I just got back from a 10-day noble science meditation retreat in Joshua Tree, California. Um, it was a beautiful, transformative experience. Um, I would, again, this is my shameless plug, but I highly recommend everyone check it out if it interests them. It's completely free and it's it's a great time. In terms of school, I went to the University of California, Irvine. At that point, I interned in Barcelona and in Washington, D.C., which is pretty funny considering how polar opposite those two cultures are. Like Barcelona, I'd show up to the office at like 10, 10 a.m. in flip-flops. I'd be the first one there. In D.C., as like a consulting internship. So you'd, like, I'd show up at like 8, 8.30, full suit and tie in, the full humidity, and you're the last one there. And I don't know if you're from that area, but the humidity, jacket, subway, that combo... That didn't exactly mesh. In terms of work, I'm my first job was at Snap helping craft their ad algorithm. I chose that for company culture a and is on Venice Beach and is a great way to learn. And then after that, I was a consultant for Fortune 500 companies going through the bankruptcy process. And this is actually what kickstarted my entrepreneurship journey. At that point in time, I was really researching Bitcoin, the ethos behind that and why it's important and essentially the non rent seeking behavior which didn't align well with what I was doing as a consultant. And don't get me wrong, the consultants are smart people. The firm was great. It has more of a systematic issue, which I had an issue with. So in a bankruptcy consultant case, there are tiers of creditors, like tier one, tier two, tier three, tier four. Tier one gets paid first, then tier two, then three, then four gets the leftovers. And I'm sure you can imagine that the normal people like me and you and everyone else will be in tier four. So oftentimes people got pennies on the dollar for what they're actually owed. And as a consultant, we are billing out the company. So consultants usually bill out a company for hourly work, and that's how they make their money. But in this particular case, we're billing out a company that's going through the bankruptcy process. So they're not really making money. So we're taking from the pool that I felt should go to the normal people. So yeah, so I quit that. At that point, I was reading a lot. I'm like, okay, I, I kind of want to start my own thing. So I knew, I knew I wanted to be in Web3 or crypto or whatever you want to call it at the time. So what I did was I decided to go to local cryptocurrency meetups in the area. That's where we met the original ShopX team. We've been running for a while. In the meantime, we lo- we also launched another platform. So a SAS platform for e-commerce brands. We replaced affiliate code. So if you're a brand on Shopify, if you're a brand on Shopify, you upload all your products to a singular database. And then any one of your customers can come sell any products. So I could if me, Eric. I like this Nike shoe, this Reebok hat, this Adidas shirt. I can put them in one link. And then you, Victor, you can be my fan, my follower, my friend, whomever, whoever clicks the link. You can buy all three products from three different brands through one link without leaving Instagram increasing conversions. So that was the secret sauce behind that. That startup's no longer around. But again, dealing with all those e-commerce brands is incredibly valuable for ShopX, which is the web. Th- it's the Apple or Google Web3 Long-term, we're going to be a suite of products for a brand to tell an app and then interact within the Web3 space, gain different Web3 benefits depending on the uh, ShopX product and the business need. A cool thing about our product is we actually have the first ever tokenized software license system. So our tokens are software licenses. So if your brand to enter our ecosystem, you have to purchase a certain amount of tokenized software licenses and then you're good to go. So I think that's a first of its kind right now we have two products live the first is reserve x which is our nft powered loyalty program if you're a brand you're on shopify or woocommerce you can download our app and then with no code no hassle within five minutes you can launch your own nft collection with no technical technical skill to launch your nft collection you just really fill out out two simple forms like a picture an image a description a name how much you want that to cost and all that cool stuff and then now you have your nft collection you can program an e-commerce benefits to the to yourself. Like Nike were to launch a gold, gold bronze style, gold silver bronze style pass. The gold pass holders could get like product A for free. The silver pass holders could get product A for half off. Bronze pass holders can get product A before everyone else. So they're of passes where you can add e-commerce utility to them. Which leads us to our second product. So ShopEx earns our money. We're a free app from the brand selling an NFT to a customer. So as a brand selling an NFT to the customer, you have control over 95% of the funds. Because in case you're working with an influencer or an agency, you can program in their wallets. So whenever a customer purchases, everyone automatically gets paid. ShopEx earns 5% and half of that 5% we share with our community for helping our ecosystem grow. Logic behind that is it's better to give than receive and also creates a nice positive upward spiral for everyone in the ecosystem. For example, when ShopX sells a um, when a brand uses ShopX, Shop the brand earns um the brand earns revenue. They earn a higher customer lifetime value, lower customer acquisition cost, increased brand loyalty, all that good stuff. The customer the customer wins because they get the e commerce utility that comes with that FT. They wouldn't purchase it if they didn't win. I mean that's logical. ShopX wins because we earn revenue. We help onboard more people to the ecosystem, so that's a win for everyone in that space. Our community then wins because they get paid Ethereum every time a brand um sells an NFT, so they're happy. So what happens when they earn Ethereum? They get happy. It's like it's like Twitter's program where they pay their creators from their ad revenue. We pay our community from our Reserve X revenue. So once they get paid, they're happy. They're posting more, generating more positive energy around Shop X, posting on brands' pages, posting on their social media accounts, selling you Shop X," thus getting more and more brands. That's getting more and more money for them. That's getting more and more brands. So it creates a nice little cycle. The second company I'm working with, or do you have any questions about ShopX before I move on to the second project I'm working with?
1: Yeah, why don't you go with both and i will ask you about both. Yeah.
0: Cool. And and they are related too. So the second project I'm working with is Data Inc or Dating for short, the first ever AI-powered matchmaker. And I met the CEO and another founder from that project because he also runs a crypto podcast then I was going on a ShopEx tour like around a year, a year and a half ago. After the podcast, we kept in touch. And then a couple months ago, or more than a couple months ago now, this random company, we started following them like, what is this? Um, we got on a call. I, found, I thought it was a good idea. I found it funny. So then we've been working on that ever since. So what Data Ing is the first ever AI-powered matchmaker, so what we do, and the problem we solved is uh, the problem presented by, like, like I think human relationships are an extremely important thing to have for a happy life. And I think the dating market is presently skewed and n- not working because of dating apps and Instagram and all that stuff. And in large part they don't work because a) the top 5% of users get all the access to all the users meaning like again completely skewed. And the second reason is cuz they rely on churn marketing. So if you think about it logically what happens if Tinder they Tinder matches a successful company like that happens every once in a blue moon. The successful, company, or the successful couple hopefully get off the app and then Tinder loses a paying customer. And since Tinder is a company owned by Match Group, really, their goal is to make money. This goes against, their, the incentives go against their bottom line. So what they wanna do is create a churn marketing system. And if you're on the dating apps or know anyone on dating apps, the churn marketing is basically keeping them on the way, like keep them coming back. So if you know anyone who's like, I downloaded an app, deleted the app, download the app again, deleted the app again, download, download the app again, That's what that's based off and it's by design. So what dating does is we want to match over a billion happy couples and we can do this by putting our users in a position to succeed. So what we do is um, as a user, you would link your social media account, like your Instagram, Facebook, Spotify, YouTube, LinkedIn, really whatever you want. And then we create a profile for you based on your digital footprint and then we'll match you with other profiles who have a similar digital footprint. So for example, me, Eric, I can match with Ashley, Kimberly, Jane. We get a, I get a small bio on each of them. Jane catches my fancy, I'm like, okay, Jane seems cool, tell me more about Jane. Oh, she's the eldest of her family. Of, she's the oldest sister of two sisters. You're also the oldest. You're both in the national parks. Oh, did you know on Spotify, you're th- in both of your top five artists, listen to or whatever. There's just one particular artist you both listen to a lot. Oh, did you know they have a concert coming up? Would you like me to suggest going on a date with Jane? And then the AI could take it from there. And at first, it's going to start on similarities. Like, it's going to show people similar to me, but I think everyone's into different things. So like, let's say I'm one of the people who are like the opposite of me. So it starts with similarities. I say, no, no, no. The longer I'm on the app, the better its matchmaking capabilities get. The more likely it is to match me with someone to take me off the app. Once I'm off the app, it can actually, it can act as a relationship butler, too. So, like, let's say in my example, me and Jane, we get married. We have a happy couple. We have two kids, all that jazz and whatnot. Like, hey, you guys haven't been out in three months. It's time to go out. I suggest this babysitting service. Hey, did you know the place you went on your second date is having a special on ice cream? It might be a cute date idea. And then they can suggest dates based on our, based on both of our digital footprints. So, again, our goal isn't like Tinder to keep you warm up. Our goal is to get people off the app. And we'll be the first one in, I think, we'll be one of the first apps in VR for the Apple headsets. We're building that out. And long-term, it can also function as a community-building app. Like, it doesn't have to be about dating. Dating is just an easy market penetration thing because I don't know if you know, but dating apps really do suck. And it's, just, it's an easy sell. It's like we can add target Tinder fails on Instagram. Hey, is Tinder working for you? No, try the solution, see how it goes. But once that's done, you can match communities too. It's like, hey, can you find me five people in my local area into Muay Thai, into reading, around the same age who may be down to grab like a beer or something and they can help match communities that way. So that's more of a long-term thinking, but yeah, long wind explanation of both companies. Do you have any question on either anything I can clarify?
1: Yeah, no, I just want to go with uh, number one. I, I'm definitely interested in the dating app because I can tell you it's it seems to be harder for the men because uh, oh. the men are approaching the women, so women are getting very often oh. getting bombarded by men. Oh, I've, so so I've there's seen, a lot of comp- a lot of competition. I've seen
0: my I've had my friends show me that I've shown my I've had my woman friends show me their dating apps. Sometimes it's literally like a thousand messages. you are just like, what what are you supposed to do in that situation? So what we'll do is we'll show like three matches a day to kind of limit that, so people aren't just like. Because we want people to, instead of like, you know, Tinder, that's all just like hot or not, like hot, swipe, blah, blah, blah. It's just like, you really, it's like a second base in your face. We want people to take the time to learn more about the match. Because again, we can't take everything out of dating. Like, if you go on the date, you still have to be like pleasant and dateable. And obviously, you can't do anything about that. But at least we put the back end there. So in our example, with the Spotify thing, let's say it didn't bring that up. That's, it matched us partly because of that. So something like that could come up organically. So like, it'll set up dates based on the back where it's like, you can find more about yourself out there. It's like, it may not mention that we both like national parks, but it let's say matches because we both, we both been to national parks on Instagram. It's something that could come organically. So the back end is there, putting the user in the best position to succeed. And then the user has to take it from there.
1: Uh, absolutely and uh that's definitely helpful like I say you limit it to three so like it gives them a chance because otherwise they're gonna get like it's a hundreds of thousand it's and it's it's not easy for them because you know if, yeah. if I was the thousand women writing me I'd be like i I can't respond to all of
0: this not to get overwhelmed
1: yeah no, exactly so it's, it's totally understandable no but it's good Yes, yeah, some interesting hobbies yeah you know, I used to play a lot of chess I like to read and meditate I think is so critically oh. it helps so much one health wise creativity wise success wise um so if people can't even get on a Retreat. They can at least try to do some meditation because there's a lot of there's a lot of great benefit, both health wise, creativity wise, productivity wise, and the vast majority of successful people do some form sort of meditation or morning mindfulness. So I'm glad you brought that up. And Tim ferris who wrote the four hour work we you know, did a survey and he found that 90 of the top leaders in, in their fields. Did one of those type of morning mindfulness or meditation exercise. So I definitely highly recommend uh, people do that. So, yeah, so yeah, you went through the, you know, you worked with Snap, you were a consultant, and then you did uh, research in Bitcoin and from with this bankrupt company, you went into the Web3. Now, um, just tell me a little bit more about what the Web3 is, and then I can ask you more about these two questions because I'm not fully, uh, is it just is uh, uh, selling
0: e commerce Is something related to that or is something else, Web3? Uh, so in terms of what general web three is, I think it's important to go with well, web one is web two and web three is just so we have a base understanding. Uh-huh. So I would say web one is read only if we're in web one, we can just read stuff online. That's web one. That's great. It accomplishes purpose. Web two. I want you to think of like social media, like Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. So in web two, we could read content we could write content, but we don't own the content. So I could create an Instagram post. You could view that Instagram post. The only issue is we don't own the content, so Instagram, in that case, owns it. They own the post, they sell your data for various purposes, they make the money, they can retroactively cancel you. Like for example, we could say something on this podcast, 10 years down the line, it doesn't, doesn't you just can't say it, I guess, and then they're like, okay, he said this off of all of his social media. In web three, I'd say it's read, write, and own. So you can read content, you can write content, but the big difference is you can own the content. So let's say hypothetically, someone creates an Instagram where they post the pictures or whatever, they're NFTs. No one can cancel at that point. So if I create an NFT collection, you purchase that. You purchase my NFT for whatever reason. Maybe it's e-commerce value. Maybe an artist who gets you see shows. Again, it's up to the artist and it's up to the creator and the consumer to decide that relationship. But once you purchase the NFT, no one can take it away from you. It's yours. Like Instagram can't come and be like, okay, um, this is what I, I've had a similar similar issue like Amazon or like their AWS credits where they're just like, oh, never mind, we don't have to honor anymore. Take it back. So with this, you, you can't exactly do that. Okay, now thanks for explaining that. Web 1 is read-only.
1: Web 2 is you can read and write, but you don't own yeah. uh, the content. With web 3, you read, write, and you own it. So that's the big difference. Yeah. So uh, thanks, thanks for explaining that, and I'm sure the people
0: listening are appreciate that too to understand the differences. And, and uh, sure. go ahead. Um, Shop, ShopX is more of like a bridge between Web 2 and Web 3 for e-commerce brands. So if you're if you're on, if you want to enter Web three as an e-commerce brand, just download the ShopX ShopX app, and then you can start interacting with the space in a really simple way for both you and your customers.
1: Yeah. Okay. So so okay. So ShopX is a bridge between the two. Okay. And that's how it works. And then uh, that's how they can make money. And I like the fact you have this, uh, this sharing program. ShopX, you earn five percent. They'll share half with the others. And you guys believe it's better to give to the res- and then to receive, and so it adds more to the ecosystem. And in a way, and and you guys are paying from the reserve revenue. And it sounds like it's a win-win situation for everyone involved. Am I right?
0: Yeah, no, because I'm a big believer in power versus force. The difference between power and force in a forced relationship, one party wins, the other party loses. So like if we're in a forced relationship, um, I'm losing, you're winning, I'm eventually going to quit because it doesn't make sense for me to join. In a powerful relationship, both players are win. So it's more sustainable if we're in a power relationship, which is podcast is like, for example, you get content, you get promoted. I also get content, we both get promoted. So we're both gonna do it because we both win, that's more sustainable. So we try to, we try to architect the ShopEx ecosystem in a powerful way. So that's why everything just kind of blends together. It's like, okay, who's who's involved in this? Who are all the players involved in uh, in the ShopEx ecosystem in this particular product in this transaction? Do they all win? Yes or no? If they don't all win, we have to find a way to make that win. Because if one part doesn't win, like for example, we're we're a B2B to C company. Like, for example, and that means like we could sign all the brands in the world, but if they can't sell to their customers, the product's dead on arrival. So like in, in that situation, if Shop doesn't win, we won't obviously won't do it. If the brand doesn't win, they won't do it. But more importantly, the customers don't win and don't want the e-commerce benefits that come with the utility, or it's just too complicated for them to deal with. Too much friction, then they'll say no, thank you. So we have to ensure everyone wins.
1: I like that. Yeah, and you may, you mentioned podcasting. You know, both sides win, and yeah. and, and, and then in your situation, everyone wins. So everyone's happier in in, in in that instance because, like I said, it's a force thing. Once side wins, the other one feels like they uh, they were jilted, they were taken advantage of. They're going to be miserable. They're going to be unhappy. They won't want to work with you. And they're probably going to tell other people, yeah, stay away from these people. They're bad to deal with. So I totally agree with you. That's, uh, that's a great way to do business, make sure everyone's happy. You know, everyone is in a win-win position if possible. So I definitely like that. Now, for those that are watching, you know, you know what, what would you recommend people do? Because, you know, probably some people listening are like, you know, they either are new entrepreneurs or they want to become entrepreneurs. What would you recommend uh, some of the things they do if they want to build a gr- you know, build a company from the start from the ground up?
0: Yeah, so I believe um I'd say the first thing to do is get started. That's the easiest step. Let's say you have an idea, maybe it's like create a social media account with zero followers, set up a Google Drive, start filling it out. It's one of those things. Once the the path reveals itself once you started. I also believe in whatever the universe, the creator, whoever, whomever you want to call it. I think they gave each individual person very specific gifts with the goal of having that person support the collective as much as possible. So when you're starting your business, just be an authentic version of you and just follow your intellectual curiosity, and that's how you can best serve other people. Which is going to, re- which is obviously just going to boomerang back to you in a really good way. Just think about this: like, um, if I try to do what you're doing, Victor. Um, I can't beat you at being Victor, sorry. It's like you're you're the best in the world at being Victor. But same the on the flip side, I'm the best in the world at being Eric. So if you're trying to beat me at being me, you should you're out of luck, my friend. So I would say that's a good start. And I just like to keep these two rules in mind when building... Because I view everyone as a conscious creator, whether they know it or not. And two very simple rules are just don't harm anyone in any way. And don't take anything away from it anyway. anyway and you should be good to go. And... And just because I'm, I'm pragmatic too. Like if something doesn't serve me, I'm quick to let it go. Like if you are making money in like a bad way, uh, I believe in karma too. It, just, it really always just comes back to bite you in the ass. Whereas if you're making money in a good way, you're wishing the best for everyone. That wealth, that abundance, sense of flow back to you as well. So it's it's in your best interest to be a good person.
1: No, I like that. And uh, one, just get started, and you know, realize that each one has a gift. All, everyone has different gifts. And be an authentic version of yourself, so you can serve other people. Try not to be someone else, and um, you know, just don't you know, don't take anything. Everyone try to help everyone. You know, you know, make money in a good way. Help people. Try not to do it in a bad way, and in, a, in a, you know, in a way where you manipulate people. But like I said, very often it, it does seem to come back to haunt you. So a lot of times you do things that might be unethical or even illegal. Somehow word will get out, and you. And maybe your reputation gets destroyed. And once your reputation mm-hmm. gets destroyed, it's you almost can. impossible to fix. It's like pretty much, it's it, you're done. So You're done. Yeah, you're, especially online. Nowadays, word gets out so quickly. So you want to protect your reputation. It's another reason why you should be good to people, take care of people, not take advantage of people. Because it, it, it will come back to all. you. It may not have to
0: maybe in a couple of years. Oh, but 100% of that, it does. It comes back, is, I would bet my life on oh, yeah. that. It's yeah. like, you, you can't escape that. Yeah, exactly. So
1: we'll come back to haunt you. Uh, so now just a couple of questions uh, because you know, you would talk about Web3 you explained what it was all about. So what would you say is the current state of Web3 and what would you say is the future of Web3? Because it seems like it has a bit of an exciting future from what I hear, from the way you know what I've heard so far.
0: Yeah, let's work backwards and let's describe where it needs to be to be successful. Mm-hmm. For Web3 Web to be successful, it has to be mass-adopted. For it to be mass-adopted, people have to be using Web3 without even knowing they're using Web3. So for example... My mom has like her NFT on their phone or whatever. She scans that NFT and unlocks the product. She gets a product. She doesn't even need to know she's doing a Web3 NFT transaction or something like that. Web3 isn't a very um, it's in it's still an infant right now. And the two major reasons people aren't mass adopting Web3 is the first reason incentives. There's no real like before like companies like and Shopex is trying to help with that by like adding e-commerce incentives to the NFT. But before that, there's been no real reason for people to interact with the space. Like the average mom and pop, they have no reason to deal with Web three. And the second reason it hasn't been mass adopted is because of usability, or user interface, or user experience, whatever you want to call it, for the average user. Because if you were trying to, get, if you were to log into Web three and try to do stuff, like it, it's so clunky, it's so slow, it just doesn't work for the average user. The plus side is, I think both those problems solve itself because right now. There are plenty of brands using it and even even from shop x's standpoint our biggest client is fox tv like their new show capopolis is using ShopX tech and it's pretty seamless but right now there are plenty of big brands entering the space like dipping their toes seeing what this technology is about and they think it's the future and when the big brands come in they have the resources and the capital to create a seamless experience for the users so like for example in nike when they decide to go deep into web3 they can't send their users to a shitty user experience They'll spend the money to create to create a good customer experience for the customers. And once Nike gets in, Rebook again, Adidas gets in, other people see it and more people get in. On top of that, Web3 is composable, which essentially means there's a compound of an interest of software. What that means is you solve problem once it gets solved. So once Nike figures out a solution, other companies can capitalize off that solution and make it easier for their customers. So in terms of Web3 mass adoption, it's going to be like a hockey ship type thing where right now it's kind of flatlining. But once you get started, it just gets started, and then it's just in the background running like everything else. And I would say we're five to 10 years from that happening.
1: Got yeah, no, no, Okay, no, thanks for explaining that. Uh, yeah, basically, there wasn't much incentive to get into it. So uh, recently, and those issues with user interface usability wasn't too user friendly, but that's changing now. And you mentioned Fox TV using it, one of their programs. And like you mentioned, one company gets in, for example, use the example of Nike. Nike gets in, then Reebok will get in, then the like the other CWIP companies come in, and that will happen with the other industries as well. And what, you solve a problem once, then it's solved for everyone else because that company has the problem solved. Then the other companies that get in don't really have to worry about that problem anymore. So it's going to be much more smooth-flowing, and then it's going to be much more uh, adopted mass-wise. So, okay, that makes a lot of sense. Um, Next thing is uh, talk a little bit more about crypto. Why does it matter? Because you know there's a lot of people getting into crypto. Some people are kind of wary of it, and some people just don't understand it. So um, we talk it a little bit more about crypto and why it's so important.
0: Yeah. So in terms of why crypto is important, uh, I think it fixes big. I think it fixes a big core incentive issue we have as humans. Something about this way. Do you enjoy having your money taken every second of you every day, using to fund politicians, fund their wars, get their their friends rich? Probably not, but that's what's happening in the monetary system. So right now, all the money is printed by the Fed. Let's say, hypothetically, the Fed uh, prints a trillion dollars, who gets access to that money? The bankers, the politicians, the contractors who are close to them. And what does that do in turn? Every time they print that trillion dollars, all my money gets less, your money gets less, we're all a little bit poor, poor and we're all feeling that effect. And if you want to think about it in terms of time, I think time is the most valuable asset. Let's say the Fed prints a trillion dollars. The average salary in the United States is probably around 60K. So if you divide 60K by a trillion, um, I, I don't know the math, that comes out to an hour like um that comes out to be an hourly a month amount. So if you think of that hourly amounts, like that number is how many years you've taken off human lives as a collective. And that's only using a trillion and 60k. So like third COVID, they printed God knows much, they probably stolen hundreds of years from the United States people to fund their help foolery. so the reason crypto fixes out of it fixes the incentive structure aligned with that so how why are the people in my example getting rich it's because they're close to the money printer so how what's the easiest way to get rich without producing value in the united states right now probably become a politician probably become a lawyer become something like that and then once one bad part polit- like i think a lot of politicians start off good but the issue of that is once bad, one bad politician, once one corrupt person gets in, they use their corrupt means, they bring in the corrupt friend. Now there's two. Now those two bring in four. Now there's four corrupt, corrupt people near the source. The four good people are fighting the four corrupt people, but the corrupt people will win because they'll use methods that good people can't win. And it just kind of spreads like an infection. So we're in a crypto world. Let's say it's all it's all based on a Bitcoin standard. How do you print more money? You can't. So let's say, um, Victor, I want, um, I'm a politician Um, in two examples. In fiat world, how do I get, get more money from Victor? Oh, okay, I'll just print more. And then well, I'll just do that 100% of the time. Because like, why not? I'll print more money and I'll buy myself a yacht. I'll buy myself stocks. I'll do the insider trading. I'll just get rich and then not do anything. But in the crypto world, let's say, Victor, I, went, um, I, I want your Bitcoin. How do I get your vic- Bitcoin? Well, I have to provide a product and service to you, Victor. And then you can voluntarily give me the Bitcoin. There, there's simply no other way. So it it affects us rather than um fighting over this again. It goes back to the power force example versus like rather than fighting over a small portion of the piece of the pie in a value value creation incentivized system like with crypto. I'm incentivized to create value for me because that's how I get paid. You're incentivized to create value because that's how you get paid. We're increasing the pie for everyone. Like think about this way: if the Fed weren't printing as much money as it's been doing every every second of every day, I bet you we won't have to have we wouldn't have to have five hour work two weeks of like eight hours, probably be like two
1: or three. Yeah. I mean that's a good example. Basically with crypto, basically if you want my crypto, you need to give me some sort of value of service. Whereas with the, with the fiat money, with the way the Fed prints up the money, it's you know it can lead to a lot of corruption, especially for politicians and uh you know one guy you know so a lot of them probably are they mean well when they go in but somehow they get corrupted and then other people they bring in gets corrupted, and just leads to more and more corruption it's a lot of money being given but not much five giving being given out so and you gave the example you know hundreds of hundreds thousands of hours of soul from each person because of the way the system's set up so um i definitely uh I'll look into learning more about crypto because the way you explain it makes a lot of sense it's it seems to be less with corruption because you can only really get paid if you provide a valuable service now as we're getting toward the end of our interview are there any last minute pieces of advice you'd like to leave with our audience
0: no honestly i think the authenticity is the biggest thing and i view the inner world as a reflection so i view everything in terms of frequency energy and vibration which means basically like um and i view the inner outer world as a reflection of the inner world so this is why it pays you to be a positive thinker like think about this if you're a negative person you're tuning to a certain frequency, like if you're a sad person, that's why you're always around sad people. If You're a hateful person, that's why you're always around hateful people. But the flip side, if you're a positive person, you're always around positive people, which can have a good effect on you overall. So if you go around, like, and I've noticed this tangibly, and I've learned this in the meditation. Like if I go around genuinely wishing people the best, I'm like, like in the gym, like go around like, oh, nice workout. You go get them. I won't say that, but that's what I'll think. They pick up on that and they send it back my way too. So it's just it just creates a nice positive upward spiral. And of course, you get surrounded by more and more people who are like-minded thinkers, and then you're surrounded by a good group of people who just want to be good for the world, and then you all kind of take off from there. So yeah, just power positive thinking. It's cliche, but it's it's truly a thing.
1: Yeah, no. Well, and you mentioned authentic- authenticity, which I totally agree with. And yeah, being positive. Yeah, you're right. Like you know, your your inner world, your outer world is a, is a reflection of what's in the inner world, and like does tend to attract like. You know, birds of feather flock. So if you're Angry all the time, you're probably going to attract people who are angry. If you're super negative, complaining all the time, you're probably going to attract people who are complaining and negative all the time. But if you're more upbeat and more positive, you're going to attract those kind of people. And you those are the kind of people you want to surround yourself with. Like I say, you don't know, say it out loud, If you're thinking it, you're smiling, people can often sense that. And that's going to reflect in the kind of people you're trying to kind of feel going to. Uh, way they treat you so if you're always happy you're saying hi to people you're nice to people guess what most of the time they're going to be nice there'll be some people there'll be exceptions of yeah. course but the vast majority of time people are going to reciprocate if you treat them well you're nice and them. so i agree be happy be positive and surrounding yourself with those kind of people. Jim Jim said you're the average of the five people we spend the most time with. So be very careful who you surround yourself with. Surround yourself with people that are happy, that are positive, are successful, and you're gonna see your life change. So a lot of great stuff here. So Eric, I want to thank you so much for being on the show. Uh, it was a real pleasure having you on. You share a lot of great tips, a lot of great wisdom. And I'm sh- and I know the people that are listening to the show definitely learned a lot today. And if people want to get in touch with you, what is the best way for them to contact you?
0: Yeah. So, and my goal is again, to be as helpful as possible. If you want to learn more about shop X, the best place will be shopx.co. If you want to learn more about AI or the matchmaking service, it's date data.ing. So D A T A I N G.io. And if you just want to talk, like again, if you want to talk, have questions or just have like a normal human conversation, my personal Instagram is probably the best bet for that. And that's Eric D McHugh. Awesome. Thanks again, Eric. Have yourself a great day. Yeah, you too, man. Thank you again. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. If you've enjoyed listening, please smash that subscribe button so you don't miss any of our amazing episodes. Please also leave a five-star rating review and have an awesome day.